Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Uh, I am so excited to uh, to make the following announcement. I've been waiting so long, so long. Uh, so as you know, I taped a comedy special um, back in June in Seattle, and it went great. And at the time we made the special. We did not know where it would end up, if anybody would ever see it, if it would ever go to the light of day. And uh, I am proud to announce that it will be debuting on Netflix. Netflix, Netflix, October 10th. My special is called Mother Inferior, and uh, you can see it starting October 10th. But in the meantime, what you can do is you can actually search for the title of it if you just go to the search and type in Christina P. That's what I'm going to go by. Pajitsky is too long. Forget it. Let's do P. Uh, search Christina P. and it'll come up and then add it to your list. And then when the special comes up on Netflix, it'll be there and you can watch it. And watch it again and again and again and tell all your friends to watch it. Um, yeah. So I'm so, I'm so excited. I never thought in my wildest dreams... Um, it would end up there, but it did, and I'm beyond stoked. So there you go. All right, so moving right along, because the hustle never ends, guys. Come on. Just because I'm on Netflix, like I got to keep going. So come see me perform September 22nd and 23rd, St. Louis, Missouri at Helium Comedy Club, October 3rd, Nashville, Tennessee at Zany's, and October 4th uh, in Charlotte at the Comedy Zone. And joining me on the Nashville and Charlotte dates will be none other than your baby's daddy, Matt Fullshron, a.k.a. the Full Charge, a.k.a. the Concierge. So that'll be super, super fun. Please come out if you're in those areas. And then October 8th, your mom's house live in uh, Irvine, California with my beloved husband, Tom Segura. So come and see some live comedy. Mm, Very good. Support for That's Deep Bro comes from Talkspace, the online therapy company. I absolutely love Talkspace. I don't know why any, why I don't know how people don't see a therapist seriously. I mean, it's like the most important thing in the world to get your mind right. Um, it's not, and and I think the misconception is that it's like, you have to be so messed up to go to therapy. I don't think so. I feel like everybody can benefit from talking to a licensed professional. And for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash bro. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BRO to get $30 off your first month. That's bro and Talkspace.com slash bro. Thank you, Talkspace. 
Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Um, I have no idea in this day and age how to do it because it seems like there's so many different platforms. Uh, And that's why ZipRecruiter is here. ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. Mago. Also, uh, if you're looking to buy a new mattress, and I hope you are, because the new year's coming, and why not? Why not treat yourself to a quality luxury uh, memory foam mattress? Um, I'd go with Lumen Leaf if I were you. L O O M and Leaf. L-E-A-F dot com. Made by the good people at Sattva Mattress Company, who I've been I've been sleeping on a Sattva mattress for years now, and I really love their product simply because, A, it's quality, high-quality organic cotton coils made in the United States. Um, I like the customer service. The minute you click buy, somebody calls you, they set up a delivery date, they take away your old mattress for a nominal fee. Uh, not only that, I trust these people. I, I've, I've had several friends buy mattresses because of my recommendation and everyone has rave reviews. You're going to save a lot of money. That's the best part too, because they don't have storefronts. They don't have to pay salespeople. Uh, you're not having to pay for like the old way people have been doing business. This is the new model guys. You buy stuff online and I know you're saying, well, how do I know? How do I know that I'll like it? Well, you get 120 days to try it out. If you don't like it, send it back. It's as simple as that. You don't get 120 days when you go to a regular mattress store, do ya? Do ya? Well, the good people at Loom and Leaf give you that much time to check it out. So uh, yeah, go to there. Go to loomandleaf.com. Tell them I sent you um, at that Steep Pro. All right, let's get started, guys. Big episode.
bones got a metal machine. All right. Pixies. Hello. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. Thank you for joining me on YouTube if you're watching this video or just downloading it. Well, just downloading it. I mean, thank you for downloading it. Gosh. Thank you for subscribing. Subscribe. Why not? You know, uh, that way it just boop goes automatically into your magical iPhones and you can... Uh, you can you can hear it. There you go. Oh, if you want to go to back episodes, I mentioned this last week. If you want to listen to all the episodes uh, ever of That's Deep Bro, go to thatsdeepbropodcast.com, click on the listen page, and there is a link called RSS feed. The letters R and S and S. And what that is is like the mother, the mother feed, if you will, of all podcasts, of all shows. So actually, it's probably a neat trick to listen to all the shows that you like and you're like, where is that back episode? The reason we don't have everything on like iTunes is because there's kind of a a limit to how many you can have, I think at a time. And if I were to unlock all the previous episodes, you would be flooded with downloads onto your iPhone, especially if you do subscribe. Um, Because I made the mistake of doing that with your mom's house and people were not pleased because I, (laughs) I got texts from friends who listen to your mom's house like hey shithead thanks for the uh the storage dump <laughs> on my phone so i don't we don't do that anymore but the rss feed is forever there so check that out um cool okay i just had something super exciting happen right before i sat down to record this show i don't know i think i mentioned on your mom's house but uh we came back from our vacation and we found that rats Filthy goddamn rats had infiltrated our home and they were pooping, pooping in my laundry room, pooping in my kitchen. And I don't know if you've ever had uh, rats, roaches, any kind of disgusting rodent vermin problem. It's probably the gnarliest, grossest feeling in the world. And I, I, it kept me awake. Like there was three nights where I was just... convinced that I was hearing things crawling all over and I was convinced I was going to wake up with like a rat biting my face and shitting on my uh, chest. So we put down traps, we've poisoned the parameters and all this stuff. And before you email me and tell me how wrong it is to put down rat poison when you've got dogs, uh, don't worry. These dogs are strictly indoor animals and they they don't want to go outside. They don't even like outside, really. That's how shitty my dogs are. And the kid too, it's hidden. It's all hidden, hidden in in back bushes. So, but I was stoked today to find, I mean, and I'm really kind of worried about how excited I was uh, to find a dead rat. I found a dead rat. I found it and I was so excited. I was like, yes. And it was outside, which means that the, the poison outside got it. And I, I got some latex gloves and I got two bags. I don't even think I've washed my hands. Great. Uh, two bags. And I put the rat in there and I threw it away. And I can't tell you, I, it, it is troubling to think how much joy I derived from seeing the dead rodent that was pooping all over my home and disrespecting me in my house. You know what I'm saying? You can't come in here acting like this is your house. This is my house. This is your mom's house, bro. You can't come and poop in my house. So I, I, I was like, the only thing that bummed me out about finding this dead rat outdoors is that we couldn't set up hidden cameras in the house and like watch the thing get caught in a trap. 
like a snap trap because we put out, you know, at first we did glue traps. Uh, we had a guy come out and he's like, put the glue trap and then put the peanut butter on there. They love the peanut butter. Oh, yeah? Well, our rat was like, I want your stupid ass peanut butter. Like didn't even sniff it. Was like, I got my own shit over here. I got this other food supply. You know, they just danced on it. They were like, whatever, dude, fuck your trap. So we put out the snappers, right, for the next few nights. I like though I watched I went on YouTube, I got all excited watching videos of rats getting their necks snapped. God, it made me so excited. Anyways, uh, it's dead now, and I feel a little like Jeffrey Dahmer for how much I really enjoyed uh, picking up that dead rat and throwing it away. Yeah, didn't bother me. Didn't really, it, I was so thrilled to know that it's gone. <sighs> uh, so there's that story. And then um, I took my kid to some uh, stupid, you know, kid class where they they tell you that right now we're stimulating their frontal lobes. Um, what happens is they're, they're learning language abilities and right now their cerebral cortex is expanding by doing this next exercise. And you're like, really? Because it looks like they're bouncing a bunch of balls. Uh, to me, it looks like we're throwing paper around. Oh, but I guess we're stimulating their uh, frontal lobe. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm paying 20 bucks for, right? <laughs> you know, there's always this, this need to... Uh, push your child into the next developmental rung, right? The, the American obsession with these milestones and now you gotta make sure the kid's on the right track. Is he potty trained yet? Is he doing this yet? Um, it's, it's so obsessive and so unnecessary. Like, don't worry about the potty training. All right. For one thing, uh, there's about, you know, there's only a few years in your life where you're given the absolute freedom to pee and poop in your pants, why are we rushing to take that away from children? That is quite possibly the best time of your life. And we're trying to rush. You got to rush him into potty training. You got to use the potty words and this and that. It's like, you know what, dude, don't worry about it. He's going to learn to poop. Okay. Eventually my son's going to be toilet trained. He's not going to be 40 years old and wearing an adult diaper. Unless he's this guy on Instagram that I follow who's like 400 pounds and loves to wear an adult diaper. Uh, it's so disturbing. And I hate how proud that diaper guy is of himself too. There's like this diaper guy on Instagram who's really thrilled about, um, about being an adult diaper wearer. It's like, does everybody get to be proud of everything they do all the time? It's so unnerving. I I hate that. Like I wish, I wish we could encourage shame just a little. And I know that it's out of fashion now. Like uh, it, we're shame, fat shaming and slut shaming. I know that's the big buzzword, but let me tell you something. A little shame in society goes a long fucking way, uh, namely to prevent me from having to see the guy on Instagram uh, who wears an adult diaper and who's proud of himself for it. Okay. Anyways, back to the story. So I'm with my kid in this class and we're playing with balls. I'm sorry. I mean, stimulating his frontal cortex development. And I look over and, uh, and I see like a two-year-old standing, standing, and the mom's sitting, and the and the the two-year-old's mouth is right on mommy's boob level, and the two-year-old is like, "Mommy, mommy," and starts pulling on the mom's boobs, like on her shirt, and I'm like, "That's that's weird." And and then the mom pulls her boob out in class and feeds a standing two-year-old. <laughs> Who, by the way, has a full set of teeth, working teeth that have been chewing whole food now for a while. And uh, the kid was like sucking on her boob in class and then was like, thank you, mom. And like wiped her mouth. I'm like, 
And look, hey, to each his own. I'm not supposed to judge, right? Because we're never supposed to judge anybody for doing anything remotely absurd anymore because that's shaming, right? I'm not supposed to shame this woman. But let's be fucking honest, all right? That was weird. And uh, two years old, in my opinion, we're done. We're done with breastfeeding at two. If your kid can ask for the boob with the words and has a full set of teeth to chew steak, you stop breastfeeding. It's not even, it's not for the kid anymore. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is about mommy. So naturally being the judgmental person that I am, I couldn't help it. Like there's, there's one thing in me, it's not a good trait. It's not a bad trait. It just is a trait with me that I cannot hide how I feel about things when I feel those things are messed up. Like I can't, I'm really bad at small talk, a and at concealing or trying to mask my feelings. I just, I don't, life is too short for me to dance around any sort of topic, <laughs> as, you, as you can tell by this show. Um, so the woman who's standing two-year-old was like, thank you, mom, for the, my boob feeding. I look over, and of course, I gave her like a, what, what, what? Like one of those, you got to be fucking kidding me looks, right? And I didn't even mean to. I didn't even mean to. That's the thing, is I really do try to be at times cognizant of other people's feelings. And I didn't want to be that turd of a person, but I was okay. I was. And I guess I did give her a look that wasn't good because slowly the class became divided. It was like a mom war. It was the two year old breastfeeding moms on one side. Cause she teamed up with the other ladies who were wearing what I like. I, I thought they had cool attire on. They're wearing like Lotus shirts. And I was like, oh, I have the fucking same shirt. Like I'm, I'm spiritual. Let's party. I guess I'm not as spiritual because it, like I said, the, the class divided and it was like the, the two-year-old breastfeeding moms versus the moms that don't do that anymore. And, um, and there was like such a divide. It's so crazy. Mom culture is so diverse. There's so many different schools to belong to, uh, in motherhood. I, my friend told me that once your kid gets in school, that's when you can meet the outliers, like the other moms who are like, wait, is this all retarded? Like, is this all stupid? Is everything we're doing now to our kids absurd? Cause I feel like it's, it's absurdity. My husband told me that you're expected to go to all your children's sports games. Is this really happening? I mean, I just, I don't know, but in the eighties, I, I didn't play many team sports, but when I did, I don't recall seeing everyone's parents at all the games. Like I remember the odd, you know, stay at home mom, like maybe one or two moms would show up and they would bring snacks or stuff or, but I mean, are we all, we're all expecting now to go to everything our kids do all what? I mean, look, my folks worked for a living. There's no way, uh, you know, how, how is your, how are your parents supposed to like, leave their jobs and go watch the kid play sports. And I, and I get the thrill. Like, look, if my, if my son plays sports, I, I want to watch it. Obviously, like I'm not a monster, but I think the expectation that we go to every game, it seems absurd. And my husband was like, well, yeah, that's, that's what you do as a parent. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, my, my dad came to all my football games. And that was like one of the best things was that my dad was at the game. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, I gotta think about like, like if my parents weren't anything that I was doing. I'd be like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. (laughs) I'd be like, why are you watching me go away or making me nervous? Like, I think it would make me as a kid more nervous or self-conscious to have like my parents watching. Right. Cause then there's that added thing of like, Oh my God, if I screw up, they're going to know. And then we have to talk about the failure at home. I don't want to talk about 
how I can't do this correctly. I just want to hide this. I want to hide this like I hide everything. Why don't you know? That's probably why. That's probably why I didn't uh, invite anybody to anything growing up. But interesting. Different times we live in, guys. Different times. Different fucking times. Well, no, I had another thought. Oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was watching. Uh, the, it's not called the million dollar, the million dollar matchmaker. Now it's called. Uh, it's you know Patty Stanger, the millionaire matchmaker. She's on the Wee Channel now, and it's called Million Dollar Match or some horseshit. It's a, it's the same same show. They just reworked the format ever so slightly. Patty is you know a hundred pounds thinner than she was at the beginning of the show, and she looks amazing, and her hair looks great. Whatever, whatever. But um, there was this asshole on there last night who, or in the episode I watched, I don't know if it's current. This guy was like on The Bachelor, and he uh, he. Uh, <laughs> He's a personal trainer and he's a real narcissist, like a real work of art, like just such a D bag. Like, oh, just, uh, you know, but he looks, he looks great. <clears throat> he's got a six pack because he works out. That's his job. Like, he's a full time physical person. So he, he looks amazing and which is fine. Like, that, that in and of itself does not make you a narcissist just because you want to be fit. But his attitude was so. Uh, so grody. Like I, 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 you know, when you see something on TV and then you think about it, like days later, I'm, I'm just thinking about this guy, like, ugh. and how unfortunate that this woman, Patty Stanger has to, you know, pair him up with other, with, with women that, that, uh, anyway, he goes, this is my favorite part. He, so he met like, you know, 10 amazing women like they're so good looking and they were all intelligent and they were just like tens, tens, not just meaning physically, but as people, they were really quality. You could tell that they were really nice girls and really smart and everything. And he goes, yeah, they're okay. Those girls are okay. He goes, I'm an eagle. Eagles fly alone. I need to go find my other eagle. And I, oh, like I almost barfed. Um, I almost barfed right there in the bed, uh, even though I have a severe metaphobia. That says a lot, guys. Okay, Christina's talking about barfing in bed. This has got to be bad. So I was like, oh, how, how, uh, how bizarre and how, how gnarly to think of yourself as an eagle and that you can only be with, um, other eagles. But then again, I get it. You know, I get it. <laughs> anyway, I thought he was so, it was so weird. It was such, such a great show. It's such a study on human, um, on, on single human existence. And then the other guy was the opposite where he was so needy and he was always wanting to fall in love right away and shack up and start families with the first girl that he, that he met, which is really just the opposite end of narcissism. That's the one who, so there's a narcissist who's everything is me, 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 nothing's ever uh, my fault. And then there's the other side of the spectrum who, who they're, they're so other focused that this other guy barely had a center, you know, he just wanted someone else to fill him up and fill him up with love. It's really fucking sad. But anyway, a million dollar matchmaker. Now it's on the Wii channel. Fantastic study of human uh, existence. Okay. Let's get into some emails. Oh, I was listening to this podcast. My friend recommended, um, Hold on. It's called Hidden Hidden Mommies, Hidden Brain. And I thought this was pretty interesting. It was talking about what people search for on Google at two in the morning. And um, of course, what do you think the, <laughs> the number one search is for people up at two in the morning, especially during 
when unemployment is particularly high, you'd think that people would be searching for jobs, right? No, surprise. No, surprise. People are searching for porn at two in the morning when their lives are bad. Go figure. Uh, Also, when people are unemployed, they play a lot more solitaire. Um, Oh, and a lot of people's sexuality is very different than what they're saying it is. Obviously. And that a lot of straight guys aren't straight. That's what I learned from this podcast. Hidden brain is what it's called. Some pretty cool uh, topics on that. Um, Also, oh, one thing. So... I'm currently working on a creative project with other people and it was so, so uh, this project is mine. I'm allowed to do what I want with it, which is very exciting. And, um, so I was talking to somebody about it and they just hated it. They just did not like what I was doing, where I was going. Um, and I have a really good relationship with this person. So it's not like personal. It wasn't rooted in anything other than this person really didn't like (laughs) creatively, what I was doing. And, um, and it was funny cause I found myself going like, Oh my God, you know, you, you get reactive and you start to think like, Oh my gosh, maybe this is an inherently bad idea. Do I jump ship on this? I mean, I don't know about you, but I tend to go there. So, um, anyways, long story short, I think what happened was I realized I was like, Oh, you know what, dude, you have all the answers inside of you. You don't need to, I listen to other people's stuff when it's constructive, obviously, like obviously I'm, I'm not an eagle who only flies alone. <laughs> um, like the guy on million dollar match maker. Um, but I, I, people always say that stuff to you and like hippy dippy stuff. Um, you know, the Ram Dasas, the gurus of the world, they're always like, you have the, all the answers you need are inside you know what to do, right? Uh, isn't that like a Disney fairy godmother is always, she, you know, she always transforms what's already there. It's not like you, I mean, Marianne Williamson talks about this, that the fairy godmother doesn't turn, doesn't, you know, um, create a carriage out of nothing. She uses the pumpkin and transforms the pumpkin. She transforms the rags that are on Cinderella into a dress. This is on some Marianne Williamson talk. I'm not making this shit up myself, but, uh, the idea being that you have everything already inside of you. And as I was talking about last week about the toddler, no, no, no. That's the first word uh, we really learn to use. And we use it to separate ourselves from our parents. And it's an indicator of what adolescence is going to look like with your toddler, the the, the no, no. And sometimes they say no, even when they mean yes. But it's an exciting word because it's power. And... The toddler knows that on some instinctive level that I say no and I, I get what I want. I get to do something different. I'm asserting my place in the world. And I think that's so, anyway, it's, it's such a mind-blowing um, thing to watch somebody assert no. And it also correlates to that you know all the answers inside of you. Like I, I answer your guys' email, but I, I think a lot of the times... Most of the time, and, and I'm not saying this is in all the emails, most of the time people just want to be told uh, or given permission to do what they want to do, right? Um, and I, you know, I, <laughs> it's a comic answering people's emails. And I only answer stuff. I'm not qualified as a therapist or any of this. This is just like living on the planet for 41 years and um, telling you what I've seen. I'm reporting the news from my point of view. But I find that most people emailing me, they know, they know what they want to do. I think it's uh, ah, Jean Paul Sartre. 
Is it Camus or Sartre? No, Camus. Camus. Albert Camus. Existentialist philosopher. Favorite school of philosophy. Ah, uh, fuck is it Camus? Yeah, okay. Anyway, he says that um, in the formula- formulation of questions, when you ask somebody a question, you kind of already know the answer. And depending on who you ask, is you, you know what answer you're going to get, right? And he uses the example of asking a priest for advice. For instance, would you ask a priest... Uh, hey, priest, does God exist? Well, you kind of know what the priest is going to say to you. Clearly, the priest is going to say, of course, of course, my child, God exists. Surely. Look at all the wonderful love and light in the world. Is there any, there's no reason to not believe that God exists. So you know that. And I feel, you know, you guys know me uh, through the show and you know my opinions on stuff. And I, you know, and I, anyway, just take that for, 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 for what that is. But also know that deep inside of you is the toddler. Deep inside of you is the, uh, the innate being that knows what they want. And, I, and, and sometimes we overlook that innate thing of like, I know what I want. I know what this looks like. And I know what this looks like, this creative thing I'm working on, because I've seen it very clearly. It's a vision that I have, and, I, and I'm going to make it work. It's going to work. You know, There are drafts of things, and eventually it's going to get to where I want it to go. And I, and I know that because I see it. But sometimes other people don't see with your same eyes. They don't, they're not in your head. It's not their fault. I'm not, I'm not blaming people. I'm just saying that you know you know what you want. You know where you want to go. You know that you want to quit this job and start a new one. You know that you want to get out of this relationship, marriage, whatever it is. You know that you want to have a child or you know that you don't want to have a child. You know these things uh, at your core. And a lot of times the answer is too simple and we overlook it, right? Like, you know, I remember for like, for instance, for some reason, breaking up is a thing that I have a really hard time with when I think back and like in relationships, you know, when you're on the fence about somebody and should I leave? Should I go? Should I stay or should I go? And I mean, the reason you're asking, should I stay or should I go? Usually is because you're inclined to go because if you're inclined to stay, you don't really question that. It's like telling somebody, stop calling me. You don't have to say that. You can just not answer the phone or you can just block the number. You don't have to tell them, stop calling me. Because what you're doing is you're actually inviting more of that contact, right? When you tell someone, don't call me anymore, we're breaking up, blah, blah. So you already know. You know what it is that you want, that you, who you want to become and you have an idea. But so often it's like, for whatever reason, you've got the other voices telling you that that's not good enough. That idea is not good enough or that career choice isn't big enough. I'm not good enough. That person, that person's too good for me or whatever the, the messages are that get scrambled because it's so, it's so funny. And I always, especially with comedy and creating comedy, I, so many times in the past, I would have a premise for something and then be like, that's not, you know, brilliant enough or that's not, that's not cool enough or that. And then, you know, many years later, I'll just end up with that thing coming back because that's really the thing I thought in the first place. And why not just go with that impulse with the original uh, thing, the thing that drove you, the thing that, um, that really speaks to you and keeps coming up for some reason, that thing that keeps coming back. I don't know why, but I keep thinking I want to do this. I don't know why. I don't know why. And like, I think over the years I've learned to listen to those. I don't know why, but something tells me I got to go swim. 
Something tells me I got to go walk outside right now. Something tells me I have to go here instead of here and there. And it's in those, I don't know why, but I just know it. You just know it. You just know it. You know it that you have to go in this direction. And you're going to meet sometimes resistance. And that's why like, uh, okay, you know, you talk about the hero's journey, right? (sighs) I finally fucking watched Moana. Yeah. Uh, I put it on in the background with the kids in the playroom and um, it's a hero's journey. You're called to something. She wants to go. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm not really spoiling any sort of Disney magic here, but you know, hey, she's called this to the sea it's from the time she's two years old. She's a little, little baby toddler and the ocean calls to her, calls to her and she go, grows up and she has this predefined role in her tribe, right? She's supposed to be the chief, but the sea is always calling to her. But in her tribe, you're not supposed to go into the ocean. Oh, long story short, what do you think happens? She has to go in the ocean. So the the point being that she knew it, she had the calling, everyone has the calling and it's always there. And I think there are people who are like, I don't know what my thing is. I don't, I don't know. I don't, what's my thing? What's my thing? What's my thing? And I have a feeling that the, I don't know what my thing is, people, that's genuine. That's a real feeling. I remember feeling that way a lot, a lot in my 20s. And, and But here's the thing is that I'd say that, I don't know what my thing is, and then I'd go do stand-up that night. Or I don't know what my thing is as I get quit, as I get fired from job number you know 400 that week because I couldn't seem to hold it together to do a normal person's job. Uh, I knew what my thing was. I just didn't want to disappoint mommy and daddy, right? I knew that I wanted to be a comedian, but that's like not who does that. That's crazy. That's not a job. That's not something people do. You, you, who are you? Who are you to do that? That's preposterous. You shouldn't think you're so special. You think you're better. You think you can do that. And those are the horrible voices that second guess the, the first voice, the voice that goes, you know what it is. You know what it is. But the, to admit to yourself what it is is the hardest part because there's also the second, third, and fourth voice, you know, the, the, the haters in your head, man. The haters in your head. Isn't that the most disgusting sound in the world is me taking a drink of water on a podcast? Ugh, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Anyways, you know the answers. And this show, I think it's fun to give my opinion on stuff for other people's lives who I only read an email, like, dude, listen, it's just, it's for fun. I hope this show is helpful and useful, but ultimately you fucking know, bros. Listen to your own, listen to your heart, listen to your heart. And that's so trite. And I hate, I hate even saying that shit out loud because it sounds terrible. Uh, But okay. So then you're asking me, I can hear it. Well, how do I, how do I listen? How do I know? How do I listen? Well, it's, it's unconscious. I think in the beginning, because you're not used to tuning into that frequency. In the beginning, it's really hard because you're not used to listening to yourself and what you want to do. Because a lot of us are other-centered, right? Like the guy on Million Dollar Match, um, other-centered. And when you grow up other-centered, worried about how other people feel about stuff and you know having to be a, uh, a parentified child, as they call it, uh, you don't, or whatever your scenario is, you don't, you just aren't... Uh, you know, you're other centric. You don't know, you don't know what you like. You don't know what colors are your favorite colors. You don't know, um, what your hobbies are. You don't know what kind of music you like. I, I have to tell you, honestly, 
when I ask somebody, what kind of music do you like? And they go, oh, everything. And I go, oh, really? Everything? Everything? Do you like country music a lot? Um, How about chamber music? Do you like Gregorian chants? Everything? Because that's not possible. And if you like everything, then you like nothing. You have no taste in anything. That to me is like such a lazy fuck answer of like, yeah, it's whatever. I don't care. I don't care what goes in my ear holes. I don't care. I don't, whatever. Like, and I understand like some people just say that as like a lazy sort of, well, I like everything. Like I, there's nothing there really I, I hate, uh, you know, but whatever. I understand because maybe they have a broad library of things. But when you think about the answer is what I'm saying. When you really think about that answer of I like everything, you can't. It's not possible that you like everything. If you like everything, you're not a human being because we're, we're constantly discriminating. Uh, I like this color and not that color. I like to do this and not that because that's my wiring. And there's nothing wrong with being uh, discriminatory about that kind of stuff, right? I don't like nacho flavor. I like Cool Ranch. <laughs> I like, um, I don't like hot Cheetos. I like crunchy, whatever the fucks. It's just part of life. Um, so you know what you like, but so, so often those preferences are, um, taken out of you. And, and that's a lot to do with growing up and going to school, right? You have to be complicit, you have to be compliant rather, um, in school. That's what they teach you to be a good docile body. You sit behind a desk and you answer questions the right way. Uh, there's a, there's rules to that. You gotta, right. You gotta raise your hand until someone calls on you and then you can say something, but it has to be the right answer. And then you go to work and then you got a boss and then you got to speak in corporate speak and circle back and putting pins and things. And then you have to get excited and clap when it's someone's fucking birthday and they, uh, and they call you in and then there's a cake and everybody claps for Kathy's birthday. And then, you know, I, I know it's, it's all regimented stuff. And then of course you wouldn't know. How would you know what you like or who you are, or what you want to do? Cause it's been systematically beaten out of you. Uh, from the time you're, you know, school-aged kid. I watched my kid play. He's such a, you know what he likes? He likes to play with fake eggs. He's got a carton of fake eggs that he takes everywhere with him to the playground. People look at me like, "Um, you let your son play with real eggs. Like, they're fucking fake. Uh, Relax. Um, But that's what he likes. So what am I going to do? Tell him, no, he can't play with eggs, fake eggs. That's what he fucking likes. It's It's not my world. It's his world. Let him enjoy that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You know what I'm talking about? Who knows, though? I have faith for this this millennial era. Uh, for all the all the stuff we're doing wrong, there's a lot of shit that they are being really cognizant of with this future generation. And I, I hope they are way cooler in a lot of ways, man. Uh, millennials are way more tolerant and way cooler. And I've watched it change as I've done stand-up in the last 14 years. The audiences themselves have changed and evolved. And it's pretty fucking exciting to see where humanity goes. I have faith in humanity because of these millennials. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I think, you know, I joke about, um, Gen Xers and how we've oversteered the ship on raising kids, but every generation changes and does things differently. I don't, who knows if it's better or worse. Uh, but I have faith, especially with fucking what's happening in the world. I think, I think it's going to be fine. We're all going to be fine guys. (laughs) <laughs> okay let's take some uh emails you want to know why you're all fucked up okay this first one comes in from uh, daniel 
Okay, he doesn't say that I can't say his name, so I, I will say it. Uh, he's a college student in Indiana, turning 21 years old. Depression runs in his family on both sides. And he writes, I am almost certain that I have it. I'm either sad or angry most of the time. I don't have a lot of friends. I am riddled with insecurities. And I do not have a high opinion of myself. I know, super fun stuff, right? No, it's not super fun stuff, Daniel. Uh, I agree. It it is. um, That's so hard. And it's so, it's terrible. And I have to say that I fucking wish that there was a podcast like this when I was your age and feeling the exact same way. Um, Because when I was a kid, uh, when I was 21, I say kid, 21 is a kid to me that, uh, you know, we didn't have the internet at 21. (laughs) Um, I, what did you have? I had books to read. I read people like Bukowski and philosophers and dark white guys and uh, they don't always have sympathetic answers. <laughs> but um, but know that that's... Look, if it runs in your family and uh, you've got a lot of tra- says mental health trauma stuff, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. And, and, and there's nothing to be afraid of, by the way. Like, having that stuff in your history, in your family, in you, it doesn't... It, I feel like whenever I get these emails, there's like this inherent shame about it. And I know you're, you're smart enough to joke about it. You're like super fun stuff, right? Like I, huh, I get it. But at the same time, like there's always this underlying thing of like, I'm, I'm ashamed. I hate this. Oh, I hate this about myself. It's ter- It's terrible. But know that you're probably in the majority, Daniel, that a lot of people suffer with this stuff. And this just isn't something we talk about enough in society. I don't know. I don't know why we're so afraid of just being like, guess what? I'm a human being. And, uh, I feel lots of stuff. Oh, it comes and it goes, but or sometimes it stays for a long time. Anyways, uh, for those of you who relate to Daniel, he goes on to write, I was in therapy for a short while, a year or two ago, while my alcoholic father was dying in the hospital. He died in April of 2016 after slowly killing his liver with a bottle for years and years. Growing up was not easy, and that's probably a large part of why I think the way I do today. Now being a severely introverted person, I do not open up to other people easily, even people that I would consider friends. That being said, I don't feel like therapy helped me at all. My therapist did not ever make much effort to get me to talk. Our sessions usually went like this. I walk in, he asks how I am. I say, fine. He says, that's good. I sit down, silence for 30 to 60 seconds. Then he starts talking about his life and what he's been up to lately. I stopped going after two or three months. And since then, I've been having very cynical thoughts about therapy. Therapy is a scam. The only give, they only give you just enough to feel like you have to go back the next week. They're only in it for the money. Therapy is where you pay someone to pretend to care about you for an hour. Do you think my thoughts are justified? Am I being too cynical? I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks in advance for reading this. So Daniel, I love your honesty. I love that you shared your thoughts uh, with me. And I'll tell you something that sounds to me like you went to a shitty therapist. And just like um, every other form of doctor or whoever is out there, there are good ones and there are crappy ones. Sounds like you got a crappy one, my man. Um, 
And I would ask, because it sounds like you don't want to hear about other people's lives, the therapist's life, there's this thing called, um, there are some therapists that um, subscribe to what is known as tabula rasa, meaning blank slate, meaning they're not supposed to tell you what's going on in their life. Um, And, you know, therapeutically, I'm imagining, I'm just, I think the reason is that You've been a parentified child your whole life. Your dad's an alcoholic, so you probably grew up really fast and you probably grew up having to deal with his stuff, right? Um, So the reason you might want to see somebody who does this tabula rasa stuff, blank slate, is that you don't want to have to worry about their needs so that they can worry about you because you grew up probably pretty damn fast, um, I would ask that you, yeah, ask to see somebody of that nature. Ask them, do you do you believe in sharing your life? I'd kind of don't want that. <laughs> then find someone else. Uh, a lot of times, people feel like, you know, hey, I've finally gotten the courage to get into therapy. Um, oh, I can't believe I'm here. And God, this is terrible. Is this what Christina is talking about? This is garbage. This person sucks. Oh my God, this is this is therapy over. And just know that it takes a minute to find the right match. I've been through a few before I found the lady that I've been with now for almost a decade who's changed my life, but it took a few turds to get to this awesome woman that I am with now. So that being said, try for somebody else. And I would suggest like putting it out there very early. Hey, I've had some experiences like X, Y, and Z in the past Here's what I didn't like about my therapist. Um, I prefer not to know about their life. You can say that. Um, And if that's how you practice, you know, that's how you do it. I don't know if we're going to be a good fit. And also put it out there when you're meeting with therapists for the first time. Like, let's see if this is a good fit. I would say that first when you meet with them on the first time. Like, hey, I'd like to kind of take this for a test drive. Let's see if we're a good fit because that is really the essence of, I think, finding a good therapist is finding a good personality match and someone that you trust, Um, someone who you feel comfortable with, somebody who you think um, has good um, technique and, excuse me, is empathetic and is actually kind of challenging you a bit and getting you, you know, you feel like you're making some progress. Progress meaning um, you're, you're starting to think about stuff in your life that may in a different way. That's progress, by the way, in therapy is just for them to kind of open your perspective a bit more and to get you to think about things a different way. Okay. That's at least in the beginning, like we're opening the doors of perception. Um, and just so you know, uh, if you did grow up with an alcoholic father, uh, you grew up, uh, I suggest the book Adult Oh, fuck. Adult Children of Alcoholics. Uh, Read that book because I think you might relate to a lot of the stuff in there. Adult Children of Alcoholics. It's on, on, uh, you know, Kindle. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's an old ass book. Um, You may want to start there and just read that. And there's also a reason you feel like therapy is where you pay someone to pretend to care about you for an hour. Oof. I will tell you this, that as far as I know, therapists don't go into practice um, just for the cash. I mean, I'm sure there's some crazy people out there that do, but it really is an industry that attracts 
people that genuinely want to help other people. I don't think you go into being a therapist because you're just doing it for the cash grab. Um, I, I just don't. I, the motivation is really to help people from what I understand. They're very compassionate, empathetic people. And, uh, I, I, you know, that, that I'm sure that exists, but maybe few and far between. Um, yeah. And, and of course you feel that way that, uh, you're paying someone to care about you for an hour. Cause maybe you weren't heard growing up. Maybe some people were incapable of really listening to you. And so the thought of somebody actually caring about you, genuinely taking an interest in you is really foreign and really, uh, might trip you out. <laughs> and, um, which is normal dude. Cause you grew up in kind of a, in, in this situation. So all normal thoughts to have. I definitely think you should pursue this again. Um, your thoughts with this therapist to answer your question, yes, are justified. Your shrink sucks. You need to find another one. Are you being too cynical? No, I think you're being cautious. Um, and I think you should try somebody else. And it also could be a, a gender thing. I know, I know we're not binary on the show, but I have to say that sometimes too, I mean... It, I don't know. Sometimes it can help you to be with a therapist who's the same gender as the parent that you feel like you had the most issues with. Um, sometimes not. Like it could, pro- I don't know. I don't know how that all works, but take that into account too. Maybe if you don't feel comfortable with a woman, don't have a female therapist. If you don't feel comfortable with a man, you feel like you could open up more to a woman, go see a woman. Think about stuff like that. And I, hey, this is terrible to say, but this is just how my brain works. I also judge the book by the cover, meaning, listen, motherfucker, like you're trying to tell me how to get my life. And if your office is in shambles and messy or, you know, you look crazy, like their attire is all wacky and it's not for me. It doesn't match my sensibility. Like, yeah, judge on the externals a little. Because nine times out of ten, that that's how you relate, right? Like you guys are probably going to click if they have similar aesthetic, just on the outside shit, you know. Little red flags. Look for the red flags. Who's in it? But who knows? Maybe, maybe the the shrink whose office is in shambles is perfect for this other person, but maybe not for you in particular. I once went to a therapist that had two little dogs. And the dogs were therapy dogs and they wore little vests and they would sit on my lap and I would pet them during our sessions. And that might drive somebody nuts. But for me, it was heaven. I was like, oh, this is great. This is amazing. So there's all kinds of therapists. Just do your research. There's ecotherapists. There's existentialist therapists. There's psychotherapists. There's marriage and family farts therapists. There's tree therapists. There's everything, everything. So whoever you had just wasn't a good fit. And um, just just remember that. Okay. Mom. Mom. Oh, boy. All right. Let's see. Uh, what's next, guys? Isn't this fun to listen to me <laughs> go through these? What the fuck? I had these all. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, yo. Okay. Hi, Christina. I'm beginning to think something is wrong with me. I'm 33 years old and married to a wonderful man. I have always been a very rebellious person due to an extremely controlling Italian father. I have been married for three years and have continually battled feelings of being trapped. 
my friends are starting families and buying homes. All of these things that should be typical of someone my age repulse me. I am genuinely happy for them. I just don't want the same things. I feel very alone because of this. My husband makes a very good income. It's not that we can't buy property or start a family. I just can't stomach the concept of being tied down. When I think of children, I think of prison and can't understand why anyone would want that. My husband wants children one day and I'm nervous. I'll never want that. I don't know what to do. I'm starting to feel like I am abnormal. I never hear women talk about this. I would love your input. Okay, much love, Sarah. Sarah, just know my little cupcake my sweet little mommy. Um, yeah, guess what? I felt the same fucking way. And uh, a lot of it comes from, and I don't know where it comes from for you, but I would look at your history. Is there, are there things growing up that you saw that you thought, oh my God, surely this, this looks like hell. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Why would you want that stuff? Maybe you didn't grow up seeing fantastic examples of it, or maybe you just didn't know people that were doing it and being happy with it. So that's very, yeah, understandable. And I don't know your history, so I can't speak on that. But um, yes, when I got married, I was terrified. I was convinced that I was trapped too. And, 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 and every time we had a fight, I was like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta run. (laughs) Um, and I had my own uh, reasons for that, but I'm not going to go into the, that stuff. But uh, just so you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why you can feel that way. Lots of reasons. Mostly it has to do with your history, your personal history and how you grew up. Just so you know, that's something you, if, if this bothers you to the point, like it sounds like it's bothering you because you're writing into me. Um, you're afraid that your husband wants children and you don't understand why anyone would want that. And you're, you're nervous. You'll, you'll never want that. You don't know what to do. So you're scared. You're just scared, boo-boo. You're scared for whatever reason. Um, I, get, I, I recommend getting it, just talking to a therapist, going in and being like, this is my problem. My husband might want this shit down the road. I'm terrified. Mm. And just so you know, uh, when I was a little girl, I thought by the time I was 40, I would be an attorney and I would be carrying a briefcase and that I would be single <laughs> I never saw myself married and with a child and happy ever. I didn't understand that either. I thought people were lying. I never understood why people had children ever until I had one. And I see that it is the most profoundly amazing thing that I've done in my life, but I never understood it. And I, it actually, it's funny you, you write this to me because just two days ago, I was like, I was telling my husband the exact thing of, I don't know. I didn't know why people had kids. I had no idea it was this fun. I had no idea. It's because it's fun. It's fun and it's fun to find somebody you like. If you like your husband, stick around. If you like your, I mean, if you like him and I, you know, it's all fun and it's all expansion. Okay. And a lot of times if we've been through some stuff in our past, some traumas or some stuff that's unresolved, we want to keep our lives small right? If you keep your life small, there's not a lot to lose. You can't fall. If you, if you just, if you only have so much success, right, then you're not afraid of ever losing it or never ever just being a failure. And if you keep your life small, if you don't own a house, if you don't have a kid, 
then you won't be tied down and you can still, you can still get out, right? You can still, you can still do this and that. And I've, it's funny because my friends and I have said the exact same thing that it, it feels like death. It feels like the end of your life. And I think that's only because at least in my case, like it, it may have looked that way to you from other people around you. I, you know, I don't think that marriage and children necessarily have to be uh, a death sentence. I surely hope that doesn't feel that way to people. But uh, if anything, it's transformative and enriching and it makes your life bigger and bigger and bigger and you can accommodate for it. And I think the fear is like, if I add more to my life, then where will I go? I'll be lost in all of this stuff. And the truth is with children and marriage and stuff is that, well, yeah, there's a moment, there's a year of adjustment in a marriage, right? When you get married that first year, it's a little rocky because you're learning how to, to do that. And then you figure that out and then it, it levels off and then you learn how to do that. And same with motherhood. Oh, that first year is a real, whoo, real pickle. And then it, and then it levels off and you figure out how to do that, you know, as with anything, so I think you're not sure that you can handle these things. You're afraid of disappearing into these roles. And it doesn't have to mean that because maybe you've defined yourself one way your whole life, right? Uh, and I remember, I mean, I, I put off having a kid for, for a long time because I, I feared that, oh, but I'm a comedian. That's who I am. I'm a comic. And I, I, how can I be a comic and a mom? I can't, I can't. It's not, those are two opposed forces. And like, no, they're not. People do it all the time. I've figured it out. People figure it out. And you're smart, clearly. This email is grammatically correct. There are no spelling errors. Uh, I can tell you're smart. <laughs> I think you're capable. You will figure things out. You will figure things out. Um, yeah, but I do implore you, please go sit down with someone that is qualified to discuss your past with you because I have a feeling um, stuff is, is there. It's there. Okay. Let's go to more. Well, that one's kind of... Hold on, Mommy. So I'm trying to find one that I think... Oh, geez. Okay. I shouldn't have had... Um, I shouldn't have had meatballs before I recorded this episode. I'm just burping up meatballs. Mm. All right, here we go. Hi, Mommy Tina. I'm 26 and having trouble getting my life. Here's what's going on. I've been with the same guy since I was 18. Whew, that's seven and a half years. Thank you for doing the math in the parentheses here because I wouldn't be able to do that very quickly. My first real relationship, he's the only man I've been with and we've had our ups and downs. I've been having a lot of trouble with thoughts of being single and on my own. This isn't a new feeling. I felt this for years and even told him about it. We tried to spice things up, etc. And he's expressed how important I am to him. He doesn't want to break up. So I've really stuck it out in the hopes that my feelings will go away and things will get better. However, in my experience over the past few years is that the feelings don't go away. They get worse. Look at these feelings you speak of. Thoughts of being single and being on my own. Oh, okay, okay. We've lived together for about five years. For the last few years, I've been constantly waiting for our apartment lease to end so I can reconsider my relationship. Horrible, right? Every time our lease is up, I end up deciding to stay with him partially because I don't want to hurt him and it's easier this way. We share a lot of things, have two small dogs together, so everything has grown so much more complicated. 
I actually love his family, so no issues there. He's head over heels for me, showers me with compliments, so I cannot uh, complain about how he treats me. I've just never had the chance to focus on myself since starting this relationship in college. I've grown and changed a lot through this, and I'd really like the chance to be selfish, have my own place, go where I please, freedom, and focus on me for once. I have several single friends, and I can't help but be jealous. I've always been about me and him for the last seven years, and I've grown tired. Not to mention I make more money than him, so a lot of the bills fall on me, which leaves me stressed out about money. When I ask him about the money he owes me for bills, I end up feeling like an ass because according to him, this is what relationships are about, and he would help me if I needed it. I've been working on my successful career since graduating college about four years, and he's just starting to figure out his career path. Sometimes the relationship feels one-sided. I'm carrying more than my own weight, and I end up feeling like his mother. Long story short, I feel like we are at different points in our lives where I have my shit together, and he doesn't. Despite being younger than him, he's 28, I'm growing up, and he's still immature. Is this considered codependency? I feel like he needs me more than I need him. I fear that I will regret the choice I make. However, I already regret getting into a serious relationship so early in life. Is it too late for a 26-year-old? Oh. <laughs> what should I do, Mommy T? Should I continue to stick it out with my man? Or should I go with my gut feeling and get the fuck out? Help me get my life. Everybody listening, let's say it together. Get the fuck out. Get your life. You got to get your life. You know what you want to do. Remember, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. It sounds to me like you know exactly what you want to do. You want to get the fuck out. It's not working. It's not working. And you want to go and you want to be free. And now is the time to do that. And you got to do it, bro. You got to do it. It's now or never. So it sounds to me, Alicia, that you want my permission And so I grant you permission. Alicia, I give you permission. (laughs) Get the heck out and go get your life and get it together and do what you want to do. You only live once. Do Do you know that, that this doesn't happen? I mean, unless you're Buddhist, it does happen again and again, but you may not incarnate as a human being and you certainly won't incarnate in the exact same form that you are in now. So this is it. This is all you have. You only get your 20s once, you only get your 30s, 40s, whatever, once. So, yeah, you have my permission. Get out, get your life, and do it now before it's too late, before there's the kids and the mortgage. And yeah, you have to. I always love it when people are like, I want to leave, but we have a cat. (laughs) We have two dogs. I can't leave somebody who I have two dogs with. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, he may not want the dogs. Have you thought of that? If he's broke and he's, he may not even want them. You might even be able to have the dogs. So don't let something like dogs or, uh, books that you guys share or whatever furniture that doesn't, that you share, but we, we have only one bed that we share. We can't split up. Don't worry about it. You can go to stop a mattress company. (laughs) You can buy yourself a very inexpensive, amazing bed. All these things. Don't worry about it. These are small things. And if money can solve the problem, it's a small problem. So, uh, yes, you have my permission and everybody else listening, I'm sure would agree with me. You want out. And uh, 
And yeah, you might be a little codependent because you're other focused. That's all that that, and, and that term is like really overused. But from what I'm understanding, uh, it's about being other focused. You're always worried about what someone else is doing. You're not sniffing your own yard. You're worried about someone else's yard. Worry about your yard. And the more you tend to your garden, the better it gets and the happier it is, man. And the better, the better it is for everyone else that comes to visit there. And you don't want to end up marrying this dude and then, you know, regretting it 10 years from now when you do have kids with him and you're still paying his bills or what the hell happened. You know, don't do it, dudes. Don't fucking do it. And don't marry someone that's just okay for you. Like uh, marriage is not to be taken lightly. Uh, nor is living with somebody for that matter. And I feel as though because it's not proper marriage, people tend to live with somebody because it's a lot more casual. The truth of it is, it's really not that much more casual than being married because you're having all the same problems of a married couple, which, uh, and I say problems meaning like issues, things you deal with as a married couple. I don't mean that in a negative, like you just have bills. Those are, I guess, just things you deal with. Um, you're dealing with the same stuff that you would married. So if you have no intention of marrying this person, why are you living as though you're married to this person? Uh, and then, you know, then your freedom gets in question, right? Like you want to bounce and it's 10 times harder to bounce because you live with that dude. And I, that's why I really don't advocate that young women live with dudes in your twenties. I'm sorry. I know. I know there's some upsides to it. Like he can support you financially and uh, you guys get those dogs. <laughs> I know that there's that stuff, but I have to say that ultimately for, for women, it's a raw deal, dude, because you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're doing all the stuff that wifey does, but you ain't wifed up. And like Beyonce says, if you like it, then you should have put a fucking ring on it because I, I believe that it means something. I know that a lot of people don't think that marriage means something, and I think, uh, I think that's wrong. I'll tell you why. Marriage means that you've chosen that person as your family, bro. Your family. Like you've, you're ride or die with that person now. Like you take a shower and that person's shit cloud. That's real love. You know what I'm saying? Like last night, my husband farted in the bed and he had a juice from Whole Foods and it was raw vegetables. And he doesn't really eat vegetables, let's be honest. And the room smelled so bad like so bad and it farted he farted in my mouth I, I tasted the fart too and there were no matches around and I thought to myself you fucking if we weren't married and you were just some dude that I lived with like the level of disgust would be so much higher for me for him and, and contempt but because he's my husband and we're ride or die booze and we've got a baby jeans, like all that stuff really does change things when he farts in bed because then I go like, yeah, that's my boo right there. I don't high five him or anything, but it does temper my contempt like a lot because you're like, yeah, it's my family, dude. He farted. But if it was just some boyfriend, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Get your shit and get out of here. Get the dogs and get out of here. Get so... Yeah, it adds a layer, a layer of meaning uh, to the relationship marriage because you're standing up in front of your friends and family and you're like, dude, this is it. This person is going to be my forever suck puppet. This is the person 
who will smell my farts till death do his part. Amen. That's it. That's what you, that's what you're saying to the world. That's why it's so crazy when people like have full affairs on their spouses and like, and and, like not very long after the wedding, you're like, do you guys, didn't you remember you just took all those vows in front of like everybody in that church? Remember the church you were standing in? (laughs) That that doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't, doesn't matter. That's uh, fucking nuts. Nuts. Are people, women who cheat while they're pregnant? That's even crazier to me. Like you're already, you've already got one dude's batter growing in you and then you're going to add batter this is banana whatever hey who am i to judge right <laughs> I, I am going to judge that's bananas that's it's wrong it's fucking wrong okay it's wrong so one dick at a time lord one dick at a time lord one dick at a time all right alicia get out of there listen here's the good news you're young you're too late. I love when people are like, is it too late? I'm 25. No. Is it too late for a 26-year-old? Boo-boo. No. Even if you were 36 and you were sending me this email, it's never too late if you're miserable. If you're so fucking miserable and unhappy, why is it? It's never a number thing. Like, what, what's the math that people do in their head? They're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 36, so that means I'll have 40 more years to live on this planet. I guess that's not that long, suffering. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Even if you had five years left, two years left, one year left on, on this planet, why, why suffer? Why make it horrible? Anyways, Alicia, get your life. Get out. Get happy. You've got your whole life. 26 is like, it's not even old, dude. It's not old. Trust me. You're good. You're good. All right. All right, guys, I got to go. I got to hopefully I'll find another dead rat on my property and that'll be awesome. Email me. That's the podcast at gmail.com. Um, come see me do stand up live. St. Louis tits. I'm coming for you pretty soon. Nashville, Charlotte. Uh, I'm going to be adding 2018 dates very soon. Um, all right. Until then, that's been D bro. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Yeah. 
It's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.